0: Let's give it up for Genesis Metro Band <laughs> leading us in worship, man. We take what the enemy meant for evil. Mm, is that good or what, man? I hope, I hope everybody is coming out of the, of the polar Arctic uh, vortex thing that we've been going through. I saw a lot of memes going around, and I got to tell you, I enjoyed some of them. Um, I think one of them that kind of caught my eye was um, that uh, 2021 told 2020, hold my beer. And I was like, I was like, that just struck me as kind of funny. Whenever you think, like, it can't get worse. <laughs> it's apparently possible. And so uh, some crazy, crazy stuff. Um I don't want to indulge too much here on the beginning because we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, We started a new marriage series on Valentine's Day last week. If you didn't get a chance, please go back and watch that one. Um, But every week we're going to be looking at various marriage principles. Uh, Today, in particular, we're going to be uh, kind of touching on conflict resolution and and really trying to drill down into uh, how to handle slash. Uh, maneuver through or cover from that conflict, not that any marriage in here has had any conflicts during the pandemic and then the Polar Express that came through. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be for everyone in here, but if you've had any, then I think we can, we can try to work on it. And obviously just like all things, you know, we, we tend to be our own worst enemy and we tend to justify and make excuses for areas that we repeat bad behavior. And so I hope today that I can give you some insight into why you do that, and then hopefully get you to the other side. Um, I think the discovery of the why is is much more difficult. Self-discovery is always more difficult. And so I um, I'm going to try to take a bite at this apple uh, this particular way today, and I hope that this will help everyone in this room, but it's going to be a, a long, uh, if you will, setup up for this morning's message. So uh, first thing I wanted to do was I'm going to put a list on the board. There was a, a study that was done at Kansas University, and, and these were seven characteristics of optimistic people, okay? Seven characteristics of optimistic people. And so I always like to kind of do research on the secular side. I just want to know what the world is thinking in addition to, obviously, we're going to preach the Bible always. But I thought as we looked at this list that I would like to take this as a template and lay it over your relationships, the ones that are the most important relationships to you. And I wanted us to just kind of do a real quick inventory of like when you wake up in the morning, are you optimistic about your marriage when you wake up in the morning are you optimistic about your profession when you wake up in the morning are you optimistic about your children uh, so when you woke up on sunday morning were you optimistic about your church and and so as you start thinking about that we could go through these and i don't have time to spend on all seven of them but sometimes i think we think We're optimistic, but we need something to measure it up against, right? Because everybody can think whatever they want to think until you measure it. So here we go. Just real quick. They express gratitude. When's the last time that you expressed gratitude in your marriage? When's the last time you're like, babe, just thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for the rock that you are. Thank you for the great. Thank you for the fun. Thank you for the dependable. Thank you for the safe. Whatever it is. You know, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do it right now. If you're not with your spouse, just look at the person next to you. Just say thank you for something. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Give just give them some kind of thank you. Maybe a high five. Let's get the spirit going. Got five? Yes. Bring it there. Thank you for being here today, Miss Floyd. All right. They express gratitude. Optimistic, it's amazing what you'll find is, um, I heard this said one time that in a culture, what you celebrate is what you create. So like when you celebrate by giving gratitude, you'll start creating gratitude around you. Um, They donate their time and energy. I just wondering like, you know, if you're going to be an optimistic person in your marriage, like how much time are you going to donate to the cause? They're interested in others. So they're not always trying to dominate the conversation about themselves. They're thinking about other people. Instead of, instead of waiting until that person gets home, whichever spouse gets home first, you're, you're not waiting until they get home and like, ah! You're like, so how did your day go today? Yeah. Wait your turn, you see? Because they're going to ask if y'all are doing it right. Oh, well, how did your day go? And then if it was something rough, you can throw it in there. Um, they surround themselves with upbeat people. woo You know? Man, negativity is tough. Would everybody say amen to that? Do you think we have a little too much of that in our culture today? Say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We'll go old school, throw a hallelujah in. My gosh. They don't listen to naysayers. I think those are kind of too... Uh, people, I told our staff this week, if I ever ask you a question and you start with can't, man, that is tough for me. That is tough for me because I believe I have found, like, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's got to be almost 90 plus that if you want to bad enough, you can figure it out. You There's not a marriage that if two people want to bad enough, they can't figure it. But if you start with can't, you've already given yourself a mental out. And the church said, that's right. That is right, man. Y'all are are good. We're we're having a good time here today. They forgive others. Oh, that's a good biblical one. And then the last one, just something simple. They smile. Can everybody, can I see your smile? Everybody want to give a shot? Online people, post a picture of your smile. Then we'll know if you're watching. Man, have you ever gone to a church and the people at the door are like, do you go here? What? I got bonnie. She had a hair on me or something. <laughs> I mean, if you walk in and they're like, your first, first time here and like your kids are real small and they're like, oh, kids are over there. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it sounds like such a trivial thing to smile, to be nice. But when's the last time you went to a Whataburger or a McDonald's? And you got a smile, but you go to Chick-fil-A. It's every time. It's every time. Chick-fil-A, $6 million. All right. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that I think optimism matters. And I think that if you can honestly say in in this moment that maybe if you just look at those simple seven things, And you're not optimistic. Man, is is it possible that there's something below the surface that is a a spiritual reason why you're not optimistic about life? Because the truth of the matter is, many of us have gone through losses. And if we allow those losses to do their work, that that loss takes away our zeal, our passion, our joy. And it's not just like an optimism that's like self-help, but... I think that optimism for the believer should be wrapped in a spiritual destiny. I think it's bigger than just like trying to climb a ladder or, or trying to satisfy some approval thing. And so I hope today that we'll look through where this all started in original sin. I think we'll we'll see some things and um, we're going to see the blame game happens oftentimes. And then we're going to parlay that into one of the wildest stories in the Bible that I will Guess right now that 95% of the people sitting in this room do not know this story. And you're going to say, how in the world is this a marriage story? Because it sounds like a barroom joke, but it is a great story. And then we're going to wrap it up with a formula for getting to Jesus. We said last week we're going to lay down two templates that God's way works and God's word is final. That if we can settle our marriages on these two concepts, these two right here, if you'll just if you'll just bank it in and say from now on for the rest of my life that God's way works and I'm going to let God's word be final. It's not an opinion. It's not a resource. It's not like in my equation I take it into consideration. No, God's word is final. That means that if my life is in disagreement with God's word that I must adjust my life. If my relationship to my spouse is in disagreement with God's word, then I must adjust my life. If my parenting style is in disagreement with God's word, then I must adjust my parenting style. If my faith that I'm living out, if it's not up to par with what Jesus called the disciple, that I must adjust and start working towards what God wants for my life and what God's expectations are. So a couple of verses that we're going to aim at before we get into the negative slash bad slash sin. Um, John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. These are the words of Jesus, Okay. This is is what he said he came to do. So why did he leave heaven and come to earth and do all that he did? He said that he wanted you to have life and not just like life, he said life to the max. So when you're thinking about your life right now, is it life to the max? And if it's less than life to the max, then okay, let's diagnose it. Let's let's dive in there. Let's figure it out because if you're living less than what he promised you, then it's not because it's not possible. Right? It's just that we got to make the adjustments. Then, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now we're going to start with these two verses. And we're going to end with these two verses and then we're going to have a sin sandwich in between. Okay, is everybody is everybody ready for this? All right. We're ready for this. All right. So this is what I've learned about blaming. Um, I want you to imagine a time that you hurt yourself. Okay, that someone in your house, do you guys have anybody that booby traps your house? Anybody, anybody have those people in your house? Like they leave stuff in the path. Anybody like they leave the drawer open or something. And like, have you ever like, have you ever, have you ever tripped on something and it hurts you? Has anybody ever had this happen? Or, or you like whacked your head on something and it hurts you. And like, sometimes many of you, although you might seem pristine, when you come into church, you have injury Tourette's. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like words come out whenever you hurt yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and, And isn't it amazing that when that happens, your instant reaction is never like, I need to take a deep dive inside of me and figure out why this bothers me so much, right? I don't know if you're like me, but like you, you might be tempted to try to blame someone like, who is it that left this pair of shoes? Who is it that left this laundry about? Who who didn't take this trap? I spilled something, but someone else did something that was the catalyst for my mistake. So I can't be mad at me. I have to be mad at someone else. And the church said, Amen. You just let me know when I'm preaching to you. Just let me know. Just let me know. I, I liken it into a golfer, right? Have you ever seen a golfer? Like they duff a ball. Do they introspect themselves? What do they blame? It's the club. It's the greenskeeper. He put the hole in the wrong place. I heard a guy say one time that the, the tree was in the wrong place. I heard a guy one time, we were playing a church scramble, and he was not doing well. And, and I said something, to, and he said that I put a thought inside of his head that caused him to hit it in the water. I should take this skill on the road. Because I can't make people put money in the offering plate. I don't know how I made you put a golf ball in the water. Oh my gosh, he's on fire today. Yes, that was only for the preachers. That made me so happy. We, we, we blame. We blame all of the things because we don't want to blame ourselves. And, and as we look at original sin... In Genesis chapter 3, I think we'll see readily the parallelism of blame. It says in Genesis chapter 3, God had said to them not to touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They touched it, and then they ran away, and they hid. And God came walking to them in the garden, and he said, where are you? And they said, we hid ourselves because we're naked. And this picks up right here in chapter or verse 11, which, by the way, if you'll keep coming back, we'll we'll talk about the difference between good naked and bad naked. Um, it's in Genesis 2 and 3. That's going to be the intimacy sermon. You don't want to miss that. Um, but he said, who told you that you were naked? Now, have you ever seen your children when they get caught, like, red-handed? As soon as God asked this question, well, we were naked and we were afraid, and so we sowed fig leaves and we hid ourselves. We were embarrassed. whoa. Because it's amazing how good naked turned into bad naked the moment they reached beyond what God intended for their relationship. You see that? see that? That's not the sermon, but who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree? Now, when your parents ask you the question, they know the answer. (laughs) Oh, what happened? (laughs) Imagine God as your dad. (laughs) It's like, did anyone break something in here? Did anybody, have you ever noticed that no one has ever broken anything in your house? Has anybody, like, it's amazing. Nobody's ever come to me. Father, while you were gone, I broke this thing. <laughs> Find holes behind posters. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Good question for us to ask if we don't have optimism in our relationship. What are we feeding? What are we eating? What are we taking in? It's probably going to be affecting who you are and what you think about and how you interact. The man said, The woman. <laughs> and all the men said, <laughs> The woman who you gave me. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh, marriage counseling (laughs) one-on-one. What do you think the problem is? It's the woman that you gave me. (laughs) Oh gosh, that's so funny to me. She gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. The blame game. This is original sin. If you want to know the root of all evil, the root of all bad, why, do, why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen in this world? Why does sin and disease and, and sickness and murder, why is there such injustice and inequality or all of this? If you want to know the catalyst for all of that, it's right here wrapped up in Genesis chapter Three, where it all began is when man reached for the forbidden. And every time, whether it's in marriage or regular lives, that we reach for the forbidden, we are going to get messed up. The blame game. I wanted us to think for just a moment are you blaming the thing instead of stepping back and studying the theme? Is it the thing or the theme? Is it the thing or the theme? Is it the golf club or is it the golfer? Is it the laundry basket or is it your temper? Is it that there's not enough money or is that there's not enough discipline? Is it the thing or is it the theme? Because if you're willing to step back, I think you'll find there's a theme. And if that theme runs throughout every area of your life, every relationship, every job, then at some point it can't, it can't be the thing because you have moved around enough to gather data. And if you've gathered enough data from all of the relationships, then it's, it's not the thing that's causing this pain, it's the theme of how you are living. Did you notice that blame was contagious? Did anybody notice that? It's like Adam was like, hey God, it's you. I mean, if you wouldn't have given me this woman, (laughs) then I wouldn't have made this mistake. And the woman blames a snake. She listened to a talking snake. That's, That's bad. If a snake ever is talking to you, literal snake, like you just go the other way, all right? 101 Here, I've heard like uber Christians like, Well, it, when it was a snake before, you know, it wouldn't have been a bad creature. Yes, every snake we can agree is a bad creature. All right, all my nature people here, they're not either, they never hurt anybody. Rattlesnake, are you blaming the thing instead of studying the theme? We have to introspect. A couple of common themes that I see in relationships, I want to go through them real quick. Again, we're trying to cover a lot of ground. I'm trying to stay high on principle here this morning. But what if you you have this theme that's inside your mind that says, I want to solve it, but I can't. Or a better way of describing it is, I want to stop it, but I can't, right? Like if you have an addiction or if you have a, a disorder, perhaps, if this is more of a serious nature. You want to stop, but you can't. Here is Adam and Eve. I'm sure that on some level, they instantly realized that they did wrong. They wanted to stop, but they now they couldn't. Is that because that we have to step back and go look at that and go, is there what, what is causing that? I think that we, we kind of say, well, we start defining ourselves by our bad characteristics. We say, that's the way I am. And we say like, oh, well, that, that's, that's the kind of person. Like if you are emotionally disconnected, let's just take that for an instance. Like, like you, can't, you can't tell your spouse that you love them or you struggle saying those words or struggle even worse saying those words to your child. Well, they know I love them because you know what I do. Anybody heard that one growing up? Yes, 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 yeah, Okay. I think you gotta say it, don't you? Why don't we practice? Why don't we just tell the person beside us, hopefully they're your spouse, that you love them? If not, you know, you just kinda love you. Oh, I heard kissing, I heard some kissing. Wow, all the way up here. Save it for the intimacy sermon. (laughs) I want you to think about that. Like, we kind of say to ourselves these different themes of like, well, that's not who I am. Well, she she knew what she was marrying. And what if you like resign yourself to that's what you are, but what you're saying you are isn't what God said you're supposed to be. So like, I don't think that you're allowed to hide bad behavior behind whatever construct that you've created that, that says it's okay when it's not. It's just like, say you're a hot tempered person. Like, well, I just get mad. I just get mad. And like, I just, I just lose control. Well, is that, does that mean it's okay? Like, does that mean it's okay if you just lose it on people? I don't think that you could say that. That's just who I am. Let's go the other way. Let's say that you're a peacemaker. All right? And he's like, well, I just want I just I just want everybody to be. I just want everybody to be happy. When you see someone obviously do something that is wrong, that is hurtful. And then maybe even worse, it's to one of your children. It's to your spouse. And you watch that person do that thing. And for the sake of peace, you're not willing to defend the most holy, sacred relationship. You see where that might cause some problems? You see, peacemaker's great. Right up until it compromises the integrity of the most important relationship. See? See? the themes that we have in our lives, we got to be careful that they're on balance. It's like a fun person. I just want us all to have fun. The Fun, 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 fun. Anything wrong with having fun? Anybody? Nothing wrong with having fun. But what if we have so much fun that we forget to pay the bills? Or we have so much fun we can't afford to pay the bills? You see... It's like, is the thing that you define yourself by, is it a a plus or is it a negative? I think it depends on whether or not it's ruled by the spirit or ruled by the flesh. That your theme has to be under the control of God's spirit and it has to be within God's design. Adam and Eve could do anything they wanted as long as they stayed inside of God's design. Do you know how much freedom was inside that design? It was like, enormous like every other thing was available besides that thing so imagine if someone said you could have access to the whole world you just can't go to i don't know San Francisco who would want to go to San Francisco but i'm saying i'm just kidding all my california people in here quit throwing rocks at me but why Why is it that we want to go to the places that we're not supposed to go? And every time we run from God, do you think we're making it better? Because they ran from God, didn't they? They went and they hid themselves. Did they make it better or did they delay the inevitable? See what I'm saying? You might be thinking you're getting away with it right now. And you're just hiding in the hedgerow with some fig leaves on. And God... You can hear the footsteps. He's coming. He's coming. You can't hide it from him. He knows everything about you. Why are we playing this game as though God does not know? Man, I hope that you would take a moment and think about it. What are you blaming for your bad behavior? Can we change the theme This morning, it says that they reached outside of what God had prescribed as good, and everything else became broken as a result. I will tell you that every part of your relationship that is broken is because of sin. It's not because of your mom and dad, it's not because of some terrible thing that happened, it's because of sin. And if you can wrap your mind around that there's sin, either sin has happened to you or sin is happening through you, but sin is the culprit. And if we can identify what the catalyst is, then we can know what we have to work on. You understand what I'm saying? Like, is it, would it be wrong to hold on to some past grudge and bring that into your present marriage? Would that be, would that be wrong? Like if you were punishing, okay, let's get to the next story then. Um, now here's my crazy story. This is in 1 Kings chapter three. I don't have time to read it all, but I'm going to go through it real quick. Starts off (laughs) two prostitutes were living in a house. Okay. I told you it's, it's wild. Okay. But this is the Bible. So I'm just going to preach it. Um, and while they were living in this house together, they both had children. All right. And, They were newborn children. One was three days older than the other. And in the middle of the night, one of the women accidentally rolled over on her child and the child perished. She did not want her child to perish. So she went over and she grabbed the other woman's child and she switched them so that when the woman woke up, she thought her child had passed away. But when the sunlight came up, it says that she saw and she's like, do you know your baby? All the women in here, do you know your baby? Like you they take you to the NICU and like that's the one. That's the one looks just as ugly as my husband. Yes, that's the one. I just See, you can only make that joke one way. And so <laughs> sexist, sexist people in here. So she she sees that it's not hers and the dispute arises, it goes all the way up to King Solomon, King Solomon's first major Supreme Court case. And they begin to have this debate in front of him. And Solomon, craziest, like so crazy. And like for you to, for you to know how to divine your marriage, I'm going to tell you something. Earthly wisdom is not going to help you in the most difficult moments. That, The Bible says that the wisdom from God is beamed down from above. It's not something that you can learn in a book. You can go to all the counseling that you want, and I am pro-counseling. All of our staff goes to counseling from time to time, here and there. There's nothing wrong with counseling. I'm for counseling, but there's stuff that comes from God that, that you might not get, from a counselor, you know what I'm saying? It's some outside of the box things. There's stuff that we have tucked away that only God knows about, and we won't even share, even if we went to therapy for the rest of our lives. That that's between you and God, and you got to work it out between you and God. And here is Solomon showing the wisdom of God in his life. He he says, "Bring me a sword," and I'm sure everybody in the courtroom is like, "What is he doing?" And then he orders one of his servants. He said, "Cut the baby in half." Give half to the one mom and give half to the other. Now, the mom whose child it was instantly says, no, just give, just give her the child. Just give her what mom wouldn't want their child. If you were put in some crazy, you'd want your child to live, right? Even if it meant you had to sacrifice your ability, to be, you would do it. You'd give them away just so they would live. Listen to this crazy lady. The other lady said in verse 26, neither I nor you shall have him cut him in two. To which Solomon delivers the verdict, obviously, the one who did not want the child to die, that's the mom, give her to him. And it says the people were astonished at the wisdom of Solomon. Now let's see if we can learn something and pull back from this crazy story, story, some principles in the pain process. Number one, something terrible has happened. Would we agree, like if you lost a child, could you think of a worse thing? I don't think there's a worse thing than the loss of a child. Something terrible has happened. And then she took the pain and what? She internalized it. She internalized it. Now the weight of the world is on her shoulders. And even though it was an innocent mistake, where does she feel? Guilt. 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 Do you know what happens when we make mistakes and we internalize them? It's like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer till to the point that you'll have days where you don't want to get out of the bed. You'll have days where you don't want to live. You'll have days where you don't want to have any friends. You'll have days where you say, I'm not going to go to church. It's not going to do any good. Layer upon layer upon layer. Instead of working through it, what did she do? She tried to replace it. Man, if you're not careful because of some past traumatic, hurtful, sinful, whatever event, you'll try to replace this brokenness that's inside of you with someone else's happiness, someone else's joy, someone else's marriage, someone else's career, and you'll go your whole Life trying to fix that broken thing inside it, and you know what? There's nothing that you can fix that brokenness with. You could, she could have had a hundred other children, and it would never fill the void from the one that she lost. How many of you are going through this process right now? Something terrible has happened, you've internalized the pain. And now you're just trying to fill that void with anything, everything. And yet, it's still there. Still haunting you. The pain process. A couple of takeaways, and I promise you we're gonna end on hope. Whenever it comes to how she interacted with the other woman and how we interact when we're in conflict, I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you want revenge or do you want resolution? When you're fighting, tell the truth. Do you want revenge or do you want resolution? Because I think most people fight. I don't think they fight for resolution. I think they might even fight for revolution. (laughs) They're trying to overthrow the other person. But I think that the Bible talks about trying to fight towards resolution. Am I I missing something? Like, as much as is possible, dwell with peace with all men. Like, if you get slapped on the cheek, turn the other. I mean, there's so many verses that deal with resolving, don't let the sun go down, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks on your anger. But I just want you to think about like that decisions lead to direction and direction leads to destinations. So whenever you're in a fight, which way are your feet facing? All right. Because once I decide that I'm going to throw down this gauntlet and I'm going to get mad about this, I'm going to dig my heels in and I might even throw out words like, well, if you do that again, I'm leaving. If, if, if you can't, meet my needs, then I'll find someone else that will. You start saying stuff. Where did that, it started with a decision. I just want to ask you, when you made this decision, was this within God's word? When you committed to this emotion, was this within God's word? Was this within his will? Because when you made this decision, it started your feet in a direction didn't it started your heart in a direction didn't it and if you don't stop this direction it's going to end at a destination the train is pulling out of the station it's on the tracks unless you stop it you will arrive exactly where you want to go so many of you people are fighting and i always tell people in premarital i say Tell me what you want the result to be. and they want the result to be, oh, we want to be happy. <laughs> we, we want to love each other. We want to, It's always what they what they say they want and then like then you okay when, when you're getting in this disagreement, how are you going towards that? See the disconnect? Does everybody see the disconnect? If what you're getting ready to say isn't going to lead to the destination that you want, then should you say it? It feels good though, doesn't it? Feels good. I'll say this. Oh my gosh, man! I, the enemy comes to what? Mm, he does a does a good job, doesn't he? And you know that he has no power except that we let him have. In the garden, original sin. Did they have to? No. Chose to sin. When we make mistakes, is it because of our addiction? When we sin, is it because of a disorder? Or do we have some sin inside of us? Because we're all broken. If it's a sin issue, can you solve that? Has any human ever been able to solve the sin issue? No. Who can solve the sin? God. God. Where do you have to go, God? I want to encourage you to think about whether or not you're on the same page with God's word and God's way, because conflict is difficult. And the church said, conflict is difficult. I'll give you an example, and I won't use my marriage this week. I'll use a friend because it makes it more palatable. I found Um, because people are like, "Quit picking on Carrie." Trust me. Uh, <laughs> one time, uh, me and some of my buddies, we were heading to a fishing trip, and and uh, we were we were going down to East Texas. There's a lake called Nacogdoches. Anybody familiar down there, Nacogdoches? And then there's another lake, relatively new lake, last ten years, called Nacanish. Okay, and so. My buddy was driving, and we were going along, and i have been down to both of these lakes several times, and he had been down there with me, both these lakes several times. And, and so as we were going along, I, the way that I go to the lake and they're about, you know, 50, 70 miles apart or whatever uh, it was different. And, and I kept saying to the third guy that was with it, I kept saying like, "Hey, like this is a new way." And I was like, I ne- I've never seen this town before. I've never seen this gas station before." And we got down all the way to the last turn. And there's a literal fork in the road, a literal fork in the road. And I saw a sign that said Nacogdoches to the right. And so I looked at my friend and I said, hey, that sign back there said Nacogdoches to the right. He said, I'm following Google. Do you want me to follow Google or do you want me to follow the sign? And I was like, fair enough. I relented, okay? Which goes against every part of my personality. And so instead of turning right, we turned left. And I, we got down this road that turned into like not quite a road. And I pull, up, I pull up Google, and I'm like, I see what's happening. I see what's happening. I said, what lake do you think we're going to? <laughs> He's like, uh, Nakanish. And I was like, no, no. We're going to Nakadoches." He's like, oh. He's like, you want me to turn around? I was like, no, we're too too far gone the other way. I started thinking about that, and I thought, what a template for marriage. We're we're trying to go to to the same place we think. Amen. Amen. In our minds, we were going to the same place, but were we on the same page? No. Not at all. And if you think men and women, when you say where you're heading, that y'all are going to the same place, you are not going to the same place. I I assure you, it is not this, it looks different, it's decorated different. If you say, like, what would be the perfect vacation? No two people are ever like the same thing. How do you want the night to end? It doesn't end this, it's just different. We're trying to go to the same place, but we're not on the same page. And so the sooner you can realize that they're not, these these two women, when they stood before the king, they said they wanted to go to the same place, but they weren't on the same. You see what I'm saying? That you got to get on the same page in your marriage. And you got to realize that you're starting off as two separate entities and that you're trying to get it to become one. And there's so many problems that arise where you think you're on the same page, but when you drill down into it, you're not. And how do you get to that unity? It can't be your way versus their way. It has to be God's way. And so if you want to get on the same page, agree that God's word is final in your life. And if God's word is final, then we are going to walk in agreement. Last, John ten ten. the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There is your process. It is straightforward. It is so simple. Number one, if you're off track this morning, humble yourself, humble yourself. When's the last time you got down on your knees and prayed to God? I bet for the average Christian, it's been years. Pray. Seek his face. That's not a quick prayer over a meal. That doesn't even count. I don't even, like, most of the time I'll tell you, I don't even bless, I feel like I've blessed my food and God like heard me and I'm like, God bless what I shall eat for the rest of my life. That's, that's not, some people like think that's prayer time. That's not prayer time. Like the world isn't going to change over your like, blessing, your, your Cheetos, okay? That's, it's a different thing to seek God's face, to earnestly get down on your knees and pray and seek his face. Do you want him to heal your land? Do you want him to forgive your sin? Then you're going to have to go through the process. No one ever overcame sin without going through this process. That's why I can tell you with all honesty that we can solve any problem that you're facing if we'll just do it God's way. Let's take a moment, let's pray. Then we're gonna worship and pray for a breakthrough. God, as we humble ourselves before you, we confess God. We confess that we are fallible. We confess that we are blaming things when there is the theme of sin in our lives the theme that was passed on from generation to generation, that sin nature that's inside of us, that, God, we sin because we're sinners, and that, God, there is only one solution to that sin, and that is your grace, your forgiveness, that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that he could save me from my sins that is my solution that is my salvation and if a couple is sitting in this room today and they feel the distance starting to creep in that the train has pulled out of the station they're headed toward divorce god i pray in this moment that they would realize that there's a way to fix things. There's a way to repair, there's a way to reconcile, but it's going to take both parties saying that God's will is first in our lives. That God's word is final in our lives. And I promise if you come to agreement on that, he will start fixing you. Don't try to fix them cuz that's God's job. You need to be working on you. And if you're both deciding to let God work on your hearts, I'll tell you, whatever God is doing, he always brings things together. Lord, we pray today that couples would have a breakthrough. Would you stand with us?